It's time for a moment of clarity with your hosts, Kayleen Dietering, Phil Stargell, and Ed Bondarenka. Faith, faith, faith politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your hosts, Gaylene, Phil, and Ed. Good afternoon. When darkness seems to end. Where are you now? When the world is crumbling. Oh, I, I. All righty, we are here on this fine, humid Saturday. I hope you're all having a great day. Joining me today in their own studios are my team, Phil and Ed Bondarenko. And we're going to have special guests, uh, Pastor Max Schuster talking about Buddhism. And we are also going to have Pastor Rick here talking about uh, talking about Buddhism too. But I think that Pastor Rick has something that he wants to add to this, com- to this conversation real quick. Just real quick, I uh, want your listeners to know that Monday, uh, starting at 4 o'clock, there is a freedom celebration out in Jackson, Michigan at Cascade Park. And... Uh, they asked me to be the first speaker, and I said, only if I can have my friend and pal, uh, Phil Stargell, join me. And they said, we would love that. So Phil and I will be on the stage. We will be the first speakers uh, together at Cascade Park in Jackson. That's in Michigan, not Jacksonville, Florida, as some might think. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson, Michigan, Cascade Park. And we'd love to see a lot of people out there. Um, it's a, a freedom a freedom cele- celebration. So... I look forward to seeing a lot of people out there. Yeah, we look forward to being there and seeing you and supporting you and supporting the cause. Hey, and the one person that I did not introduce is the man behind the curtain, the wonderful Wizard of Wham, Derek Stone. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing pretty good. Hey, you know, I heard something really cool today, and I don't know if you've heard this news yet, but apparently um, NFL is not in the in the stadiums where they're allowed to have uh, everybody there they're going to but where they're not allowed to have full seats i think they're going to sell the first six rows of seating and have um have big signs kind of like around the nhl hockey rinks and they're going to have advertisers there have you heard about that yet no i hadn't no. heard about it i don't know anybody else did you hear anything about that what's no, the I- nfl uh, National Football League. Oh, those, those take those those take a knee, people. Oh, yeah, I heard about them. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be selling advertising around the around the bottom of the stadium. But you know, since we're talking sports, I think this is a perfect time to toss it over to Derek for the moment on sports. Good afternoon and welcome to this moment on sports. My name is Derek Stone. July 1st will mark the 75th anniversary of legendary Detroit Tigers first baseman and left fielder Hank Greenberg returning to play his first game with the Tigers since May 6th of 1941. And I have a little audio clip I want to play from the ESPN Sports Century documentary about Hank Greenberg to discuss, to explain why 
he did not play baseball for those four years. In May of 1941, Greenberg felt a tap on his shoulder. Greenberg, $50,000 idol of the Detroit Tigers and home run king of the American League, goes to bat for the last time before joining the Army. He's sure giving the fans something to remember him by. The lanky New Yorker turns in his famous number five uniform to manager Del Baker. Hank's taking a $49,000 salary cut and happy to do it. Well, this is goodbye. We're still to work with you. It's kind of tough to leave baseball, but when your country calls, there's nothing to do but respond. When he went in the service in the beginning of 1941, I say your Williams hit 400 and DiMaggio was a big star. Greenberg was a better hitter than either of them at that time. He just was. Later that year, 1941, Congress enacted another law saying that men who were in service but were 30 years old would be discharged immediately. So Greenberg is discharged December 5th, 1941. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. War against Japan was declared on December 8th, and Hank turned right around and enlisted again. He felt it was the right thing to do. The United States Army were very anxious to get celebrity enlistments because the draft machinery was still oiling up. So when Greenberg re-enlisted, uh, oh my gosh, that was a wonderful thing. So this is my message to you young men of 17 or close to it. Uncle Sam is calling upon you to go at once to your nearest Army recruiting station with your parents' consent, of course, and join the Air Corps Enlisted Reserve. Thanks very much, Captain Hank Greenberg. He served the next four years, partly in the U.S. and partly overseas, and part of his duty was flying over the hump, over the Himalayas. And I know he had a few close calls where people were hoping as they were bouncing around that they'd get through and not hit the side of the mountain. Just as Greenberg was one of the first players to enlist after the attack on Pearl Harbor, he was among the first to be discharged when the fighting was over in Europe. He was now 34 years old and being out of baseball for over four years, did he have any skills left? And I guess a lot of people looked at this as a kind of test case. Hank for hours would go in, into the batting cage and his hands were raw when he finished working out. On July 1st, 1945, just 17 days after his discharge, Greenberg hit a homer in his first game back as a Tiger. For Hank Greenberg to go to the war and be a great player as soon as he comes back is inconceivable to me given the difficulty of the game. I have some additional information to provide about the military service of Tigers legend Hank Greenberg. This info is from BaseballAndWartime.com. He initially served in the U.S. Army during World War II as a first lieutenant. He participated in a war bonds game that raised $800 million in war bond pledges. He worked in the physical education program and in the control tower in Japan when the B-29 aircraft were dropping bombs over Japan. He actually lost his hearing and ability to speak for two days after a bomb exploded about 30 yards away from where he was in Japan during a rescue mission. He was promoted to captain during his military service, and in his last game before serving in the Army, Greenberg crushed two home runs, drove in three runs, and scored two runs. And 
1945, Detroit Tigers fans, if you know anything about the illustrious history of this franchise, that's when the Tigers won their second World Series in franchise history, and Hank Greenberg is one of only two players in Tigers history to win two World Series championships. The other, his teammate, Tommy Bridges, certainly a fantastic player, Hank Greenberg, serving his country for the United States in World War II, and certainly we as Americans thank him for it. That's my moment on sports. Gaylene, go ahead and take it away. You know, thank you for bringing that to us. That's really interesting. I guess Captain Hank Greenberg was a real American hero. And I think that that's a beautiful thing for us to be honoring coming up on the 4th of July and Independence Day. We need to really be remembering our American heroes. And I think that that was was really nice, Derek. Thanks a lot. All right. Hey, uh, we're going to toss this over to Pastor Max, who is going to be bringing us a message on the increase of Buddhism and why our young people are just thronging to this cult. Go ahead and uh, and enlighten us here, Max. Well, <clears throat> have you ever wondered why Westerners raised in a Christian uh, ethic or raised in a Christian society would want to go east Lately, we have, well, for a number of years now, we have had uh, this phenomena where, where uh, people in Europe and uh, America uh, want to sample Eastern, in what they would think is Eastern enlightenment, the mystery of the East. And uh, a lot of them have looked into Eastern religion, especially Buddhism, and it is really on the rise now. Uh, I know two or three Buddhists. I do. Yeah, and and uh, this is uh, something that we need to discuss here. What is the attraction? Now, let me let me explain something. The Christian West was way ahead of the entire rest of the world when it comes to culture, science and uh, freedom and things of this nature, uh, the Christian world was way ahead. Why is it that everybody wants to come to America or, or even Europe, you know? Uh, so it's kind of a back and forth deal, but uh, it's, it's ridiculous that any Westerner should look to the East for enlightenment, you know? The, in India, you have people laying in the streets, dying, and uh, rats are eating their toes off, and they don't even care. And, of course, rats have value. Everything living has value in India. And uh, Buddha, whose name was Gautama, uh, he calls himself Buddha because it means enlightened one, and he features himself as the enlightened one. Uh uh, he taught the same thing. You, you don't kill anything, not even animals. So this is good and it's bad. Um, God created certain animals. We, we know from a Bible that, that with a cloven hoof and so forth <clears throat> that it's good to eat. And Paul says all things are, uh, are, are good to eat if, if we uh, 
bring our, our uh, thanks at the table. Uh, to thank the Lord for our food makes the food kosher and clean. But uh, <clears throat> uh, I like the idea of not having ex excessive killing of animals. That's good. And some of the other things they teach are good. But uh, the thing is, it's spiritually bankrupt. And you, the... <clears throat> the, the religion itself cannot rise above the man. And this man, when he was, uh, after 13 years of marriage, uh, at the age of 35, he deserted his family. Now, that's a sin of a desertion. Uh, and uh, what, what does his wife and child do? You know, they, they didn't have... Uh, typewriters or they didn't have uh, offices uh, uh, places for women to work uh, their work was all um, domestic and uh, when you desert when you deserted your your wife in those days you were just uh, just uh, dooming her to, to uh, starvation so I don't know what happened to his wife. If somebody does, maybe they can let me know. But I don't like that. And uh, <clears throat> the religion that he fostered can rise no higher than him. And uh, so this is what he, what he believed. And he was a, an aesthetic, which means that, uh, you know, one of these, these uh, people that believe in touch not, Handle not, do not, not this, not that. Uh, it's a religion of, uh, you know, you don't touch. You don't enjoy the world. Uh, and uh, uh, Buddha favored uh, uh, not only asceticism, but uh, the, the celibate state, to not marry. Well, what does the Bible say? Marriage is honorable and all and the marriage bed is undefiled, meaning its sex is clean. Uh, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helpmate. Genesis 2.18. Uh, so there, there are so many uh, like that. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and has the favor of the Lord. Uh, it's all over the place that... Uh, Marriage is, is honorable, and God knows that man is happier in pairs. And man uh, would find out if all the women were to leave the country, I don't think men can survive. But uh, on this business of celibacy, I mean uh, of uh, asceticism, here's something in... Ecclesiastes 2, it says, There's nothing better for a man that he could, should eat and drink and let his soul get enjoyment from his work. This too, I saw, came from the hand of God. Where did it come from? The Bible says it came from the hand of God. Now, Buddha, Buddhism would never agree with this. Uh, well, anyway... Buddha did find his enlightenment 
under a tree. It's a, it was a, called a bow tree then, and now it's called the Tree of Wisdom. He was about 35 years old, <clears throat> and uh, he finally found the wisdom, the enlightenment. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it reminds me that Satan met Eve under a tree and offered her enlightenment. He said, uh, it's all right to eat this fruit because God knows that if you eat it, you're, you're going, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to have knowledge. You're going to have the knowledge. Uh, you're going to be like God, he says. And uh, now that's really enlightenment. When, uh, if you ever get involved with that, wouldn't it be? So uh, uh, this kind of uh, tells me where this kind of thing is coming from. Well, uh, what we want to discuss is why, but I, well, there's something I want to read from <clears throat> the Phillips translation. You know, the Christian religion is a religion of freedom, not freedom to sin, because Christian religion teaches its ethics also, and... Uh, we have some pretty firm, strict ethics, but we're also able to enjoy the things of the world within reason. So uh, listen to what it says here. In view of these tremendous facts, don't let anyone worry you by criticizing what you eat or drink or what holy days that you ought to serve. Uh, or bothering you over the over new moons and Sabbaths. All these things have at the most only a symbolical value. The solid fact is Christ. Nor let any man cheat you out of your uh, joy in Christ by persuading you to make yourselves humble, fall down and worship angels. Uh, such a man inflated by an unspiritual imagination is pushing his way into matters he knows nothing about. And uh, in his cleverness, he forgets the head. Now, the head of Christianity is Christ. And uh, Satan wants us to forget the head. Uh, that's where we get our nourishment. That's where we get, we get our understanding. Because all of that is in your head, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, and this is the supreme head of the church. And he says it's from the head alone. Uh, the body by natural channels is nourished and built up and grows according to God's laws of growth. So if you have faith in Christ, uh, uh, you are dead to the principles of this world's life. Why then are you still part and parcel of this worldwide system? Do you take this, why do you take the slightest notice of these purely human prohibitions? Don't touch this. Don't touch that. And it says this or that will pass away after the use. 
I know these regulations seem to be high and holy, but they uh, are self-inspired efforts at worship, and they're of no value. That is something Buddhism would never accept. They have a... But you see, the Christian religion is free. Stand fast on liberty wherewith Christ did set you free, says the Bible, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Yoke of bondage would be legalism. And Ed Jesus, has a question. Can we interrupt you for just a split second? Ed, what did you have to ask? Well, I didn't have a question so much. This is an observation that we have this generation these days. You ask, why are the, why are the uh, younger people, the younger generations uh, looking at Buddhism? And one is, I think it's kind of funny that the Buddhist is called the awakened one. And when you attain awakening, you've hit the hit the uh, end of Buddhism, you no longer go through karma. And what's the common term we hear of young people these days that they're woke, you know, the yeah. woke generation. Yeah. So they, they all, all are proclaiming themselves as attained Buddhas. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's get back to the lesson real quick. Cause I know that well, pastor it, has a couple more things to say. It's, it's more than the young people. A lot of people have gone there uh, even before today's young people. But uh, anyway, the, the thing is uh, that we need to uh, discuss at, at the roundtable is why do you think that uh, people in this country and in, in, in Europe are so attracted to the East and the religion is the East? I want you to know say what? one Okay, we're just about to go to break, so let's let's uh, let's do this real quick, and then we have a caller who's already waiting for us. And Gary, we I think we'll take you after break. So go ahead, Max. Let's finish your your last statement. Well, I just wanted to say that uh, we have antiquity on our side, and if antiquity is any argument for the for the truth, you would expect it. The 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 the, the most true religion would be the oldest. And Christianity has its roots in Genesis 3.15, the promise of a redeemer, which Absolutely. is Jesus Christ. And so there's no, there's no religion older than that. That goes back to Adam and Eve. So we have antiquity on our side. Uh, our religion is the oldest. All right. All right. That's very interesting. All right, Rick, did you have something that you needed to say? You know, I do, but why don't we go, if you have time, go with Ed, because what I have to say would carry us beyond. You mean Gary, you know, go, with Gary. Gary. go with okay, Gary. Okay, do we have a minute to go with Gary? Let's see if we've got some time for a really quick phone call. Derek, let's go ahead and take Gary. Gary, we're running out of time, but let's go ahead and get you on. Hey, yes, uh, one of the problems and issues that uh, Max was addressing is why is so many kids turning towards it? Because they're being taught it in schools over uh, hundreds of different school systems or uh, um, programs are teaching them yoga, and that would bring, uh, obviously, the uh, other things involved with the mysticism, like the chakras and what they all mean and everything else. So they're being taught it is the point. And mindfulness meditation is going on, too. And while I think that meditation, because you can meditate on the scriptures, there's a place for meditation. There's a place for being aware of your breathing and being aware of your problems and acknowledging and accepting them. But 
the fact that we're getting really into Eastern practice now is a very big thing. They do it all the time at my work. They do it all the time at the schools. They're offering to teach mindfulness meditation to so many of the kids in our schools as a method of controlling behavior and of finding calm and peace. And it really is kind of a, it it is a problem. All right, well, we're going to wrap up real quick and we will catch you after the break. More with Gaylene Dietering, Phil Stargell, and Ed Bondarenka on Wham. And our guest, we are back with Pastor Max, Pastor Rick. We've got Phil, we got Ed, we got Derek, and we're having a really interesting conversation. And please feel free to call in if you've got something to add. You know, one of the things that I just kind of want to shoot out there into the universe is that. Parents, you have what an opportunity. Grandparents, you have an opportunity where you can actually sit with your grandkids, sit with your children, and start to instill values in them because they are not being continuously inundated with all of this crap in the public schools where many of your children have to attend. You have the opportunity right now because they're doing distance learning and at-home teaching to really work hard with your children. You can get them into virtual vacation Bible schools. You can get them into, I know that Newport Community Church, Pastor Max's church right now, this week I think it is, isn't it, is VBS, Max? Yes. Um, Yes, this week is VBS, and you can tune in. You can find that and have your children attend a vacation Bible school online. You have the opportunity, parents. You have the responsibility, parents, to teach them the right way in which they should go so that they don't get sucked into this stuff later when they're in college. So let's get back to our our, our, uh, conversation. Hey, Kayleen, may I add to this? Yes, you may. The parents themselves, the parents themselves should engage in study opportunities available to them, Bible studies, Sunday schools, so that they know what the heck they are telling their kids. A lot of parents, a lot of people won't explain Christianity because they really don't get it themselves. That's a very, very good point. Thank you for that. I I agree because this stuff is all online now. Everybody's had to adapt. We have the opportunity. So let's go on back to uh, Pastor Max and Pastor Rick. And Pastor Rick, what have you got to add? Well, I want to add actually uh, quite a bit to this conversation. First of all, we have to understand that there is more than one one sect uh, of Buddhism. Actually, there are there are almost as many sects of Buddhism as there is of Christianity, with as much variations. Imagine the variations between the Appalachian Pentecostals to the F- Filipino Roman Catholics to the to the uh, Evangelical Fundamentalists throughout, and and the Orthodox Church, and and the major differences. Korean Christians and everything else. Yep. Right. So there, there's a lot of views. The oldest view is the Theravada Buddhism, and this is a very monastic. Uh, uh, faith. Matter of fact, the only ones that can reach enlightenment in this view of Buddhism is the the monks, the Buddhist monks. Uh, 
Uh, then you have what, and now that's the second largest group of Buddhisms, even though it's the oldest. Then you have you have uh, other Buddhist sects, such as the uh, Mahayana, and that's the largest. That's about 56% of the Buddhist. And with that, that allows more of the layperson, so to speak, uh, the individual to be able to reach um, nirvana. And uh, then you have other things like the uh, Vajjana. Uh, this is the same thing where the... Um, the Dalai Lama comes from that sect, all right? And that actually is only about 6%. So there's a lot of variations. You even have groups like the Pure Land Buddhism that actually recognizes a land of paradise that you go to, like what we'd call heaven, different from the the group grouping together in Buddhism when everyone reaches enlightenment. This is more of a, a heaven-type thing. Then you have, you have uh, uh, Nahirim, uh, Buddhism and that type of Buddhism is really strange. That would be equivalent to the Christian um, prosperity doctrine. It is when you reach enlightenment, you reach wealth on earth, which is kind of different than what Buddhism itself teaches because they don't like the wealth. But this branch of Buddhism does. So you have so many, so many different sects. But like in Christianity, they do have something in common. And here it is. It's not. It's not uh, Gautama. Uh, the, the Buddha, because even some of the Buddhist sects recognize different enlightened personnel uh, as their Buddha. Here's what they right. all have in common. They're all humanist. Um, they all make the individual themselves God, so to speak. They all give, uh, they don't have a moral compass outside of the individual. There's, each individual creates his own moral compass, very humanist in mind. Uh, there's a lot of people that try to compare uh, of the ethics of, of Buddhism to the ethics of Christianity. They tried to compare the ethics of Buddhism, especially to the, um, the Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. Well, the Sermon on the Mount and the ethics we believe in is not the foundation of our faith. It's an outcome of our faith. But we are not the center of those morals. Christ gives us and God gives us those morals. Whereas the Buddhist makes it about themselves bringing that in. Um, and here's the worst problem I find in all of this is Christian churches today, the liberal, especially the liberal Christian churches today, bringing this humanism, uh, uh, these teachings of Buddhism within their church themselves. They start, uh, the, the church themselves will deny the deity of Christ, say Jesus was just a good man. He was enlightened. Um, and, uh, so we can learn from him on that point, and they try to make him just an enlightened, but uh, this greater realization is the greater truth, except one problem. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, the truth and the, <laughs> the light. He is the enlightenment. He is who we are to follow, not our own internal chakra, so to speak. And But they bring this in. There is a huge selling book and movie that came out not too long ago and Christians just grabbed a hold of it and they the didn't shack. realize it was Buddhism mm -hmm. wrapped with a Christian title called The Shack. You got that right, Ed. And it can happen. So we, we have the liberal, <laughs> the massive liberal churches grabbing a hold of this false, false religion and trying to blend it in to Christianity where it doesn't belong. Well, here's uh, and this the is thing that why happens we have such a falling apart of the Christian church. Right. Well, here's where part of this is, is that these people do not have a good Bible 
teaching background to understand. And that is the problem with most churches today. If you talk to most pastors, not all of them, but most pastors, most ministers, and you ask them chapter and verse about things, they can't do it. They don't have a clue what they believe. But I know Phil has a question, so let's get to Phil well, real quick. Let me just and make then, this one last statement. Okay. Let me make my last statement here real quick on, on, on all of this. Is As we look at Buddhism, we have to understand what we are talking about is humanism on steroids. This is why the schools can teach it because they're not teaching, there is no God, so to speak, in, in most of the sects of Buddhism, all right? It, it's without a deity. Therefore, they can accept the, the applications of Buddhism, and they can teach his humanism. Even a socialist would have to get along with a Buddhist, because they both talk about uh, just the internal struggles to make a bigger and better community without Perfection involving a God. Right. right. And, and this is the danger that we have. As we come over here, we... We laugh at the yogas, the people practicing yoga, and we don't see anything wrong with people practicing yoga, but they don't understand yoga and the mantras that they chant and the positions that they chant are all part of this false religion, Buddhism. And we accept it as, as a, a way of health. We accept it as a way of mental mental um, awareness. Well we accept this. Yeah. We accept parts of this all and we say, well, what's wrong with it? They're not, they're not worshiping a false God. The fact is, is they are eliminating God out of those parts in their life by accepting People them. don't realize it. People do not understand um, that, you know, when you're chanting things, what you're doing is calling upon demons. And you don't need to be doing that. Even if you're using it as a stretching exercise and you're doing yoga, you do not have to chant demons. You don't have to do it. No. I mean, I think that there's a lot of, you know, here's the thing. Satan is clever. He wraps up a lot of good stuff in evil. He wraps up a lot of, a lot of things that are in, in pretty wrapping paper and we buy it. And that's a we shame. Have, I know. Let's go back to Testament. Phil. Okay. Just real quick. We have the new Testament. The new Testament were, was written by followers of Christ, right? Yep. Yep. We don't have anything written by Gautama or his followers. We have nothing written at all about him or actually what he said. And we start finding 400 years after the fact where people are writing about Gautama. We, we have no real clue of who Gautama was, what he actually stood for, um, except 400 years of, of loose oral tradition. Oral, very loose oral tradition. Whereas with with the New Testament, we have we have writings that happen right shortly First after hand. the crucifixion of Christ. First hand followers. Right. Go ahead, Phil. Let's let's get your question. Uh, the never have to say I'm sorry uh, attitude is 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 a, a good hook into Buddhism through these young kids coming out of out of uh, high school and going into college because they can they can. Uh, Nobody's telling them that uh, some traditional values need to be adhered to. And so they, they get, get to college and they just go wild. And well, then they've been trying they to get them to do that. To, uh, yeah. to relieve that guilt without having to, to, uh, to, to come to Jesus and humble yourself and, and say that you're a sinner and uh, and and know that your behavior has been wrong. This way, That's, you don't ever have to go through that. You know, you, you never have right. to say I'm sorry. 
Well, and here's the thing. Think about the sexual revolution where it wasn't just women working outside the home. It's you have the right and the ability without any apology to have the freedom of your bodies just like you always, you know, just the way that you were made. And all of these women out there who are just prostituting themselves, and I see it time and again, um, and and it's just kind of, it it makes me really sad to see women dishonoring and disrespecting themselves. I know Ed had something to say, and then we've got We've got a special caller here in just a second. But, Ed, what was it that you wanted to add real quick? Well, as somebody who actually investigated Eastern religion as a, as a form of spirituality years ago, I was raised in a household that adhered to a particular religion that when they gathered for their religious services didn't even speak in English. They spoke a foreign language that, frankly, was dead for a thousand years and then had all kinds of ritual. And I was a... I was a participant in that ritual. I got up on the platform they had and did things. And I don't want to call names and I don't want to really, you know, poke fun at that in particular. It just was that way. And when I looked at, when I realized that there was nothing powerful in that and I really didn't find God in that, I became an agnostic and even an atheist. And when I was in the service, I had an incident where I prayed out to God and the God that, because I thought I was going to die in a hotel room. And when I prayed out to God in the middle of the night, I said, I'll find you and I'll search you if you'll fix this thing. And it immediately went away. At that point, I knew that there was a God and there was an answer to prayer and there was spiritual spirituality and spiritual power. I just needed to locate that. And to my knowledge, it wasn't in Christianity because the Christianity I saw had no power. And so I started looking at Eastern mysticism. There used to be a show on WABX in the middle of the night, and I'd listen to that and uh, read books on it. And, and then, I fi- then I started going into black magic, actually. And when I realized that's a road you don't want to go down, I met some friends who I'd fallen away from for a while, and they had become born-again Christian- Christians, and they led me to Christ. But they had shown me that there was power in Christianity. So when these people are looking towards the East, they're just looking for something real that they haven't been exposed to in this country, as far as I'm concerned. I understand. I do. Hey, uh, thank you for that. And uh, we can talk more about that in a minute. But hey, let's get uh, everybody buckle your seatbelts because here comes Walter. Hey, Walter, how are you today? The voice of opposition has always been again. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's the wrong show. That's, I usually start that, start that out on 9, 10 a.m., Black Communist Station. Mm. I thought I was on the wrong. I thought I was on, on the right show. I'm on the, okay, I'm on the right show now. That's the, I, I say, I reserved that statement for the other show. I, I kind of lost track of time here. But, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, hey, you're on. You're on with with uh, with Gaylene and and Ed and Phil for a moment of clarity, and we're talking about Buddhism. So, what do you have to add to the conversation, friend? Yeah, your husband was talking about very various sects in um, Buddhism. I didn't know that. Wouldn't that be Chinese that uh, serve Buddha and some some sects in Chinese? Uh, well, actually, different sects uh, are common to all. For example, I talked to you about the, I mentioned the uh, Theravada uh, sect of Buddhism. You'll find that in China, Japan, Korea, Mongolia, Taiwan, and Tibet. Uh, it's called Southern Buddhism. When you had the uh, Mahayana 
Buddhism, you'll find them in the same countries, but you'll find them even stronger in areas like Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, Sri Lanka, Singapore, and Thailand, and that's called Northern Buddhism. However, you will find it bleeding over in both both areas. The Vajrayana school, um, now that's only about 6%, and that's the where the Dalai Lama comes from. You find that mostly in Tibet, but... Uh, then again, you can also find it again in Japan and China and everything else. Um, so the variation of the different sects cross border lines. And even in the United States, we tend to lean more towards a smaller sect. Um, even though a lot of people look at the Dalai Lama as, as a great teacher, he's not part of the Nikaran Buddhist, which is more of a prosperity doctrine type of Buddhism where you still go through the ch uh, chants and, and the, everything else, but it is for spiritual, mental, and uh, prosperity, wealth, for the good of wealth. If you get right, you'll, you'll reward yourself with lots of wealth, which is exactly opposite of what the other Buddhisms teach is because okay. it's very uh, ascetic. But yeah, there's, there's um, probably uh, out of main sects, there's probably about close to 250, and then you'll have variations of all of them, so you start getting up into the thousands. Uh, but they all, all but one, all but one recognize zero deity, and the other one is very loosely recognizes uh, Gautama as, as divine. Um, but in that one, is everyone is divine once they hit, uh, hit uh, <laughs> enlightenment. And no this Christ is another point, and I don't know. Life. Man, uh, there's so much confusion in these false religions and these sects and this and that and this mm -hmm. and that and works righteousness. And that's what I find out in a lot of those uh, false religions, not only this one, there's a works righteousness, or which you never see hardly of them ever happy, especially in Islam. You never hear see them happy. They're trying to you work know, their and, way to heaven. But uh, I want to ask you a question. They, uh, what about. They do have uh, a big. Hold on, they, they do have a huge belief in reincarnation. Hold on, they, is there a Pentecostal? <laughs> in uh, Hinduism. <laughs> That's the one that uh, you might join, the Pentecostal sect in Hinduism. Well, no, I was I was trying to show that th there was many sects in in uh, in, in Buddhism, and, and it makes it difficult for us who are trying to talk to them because they're they're so variant in there you don't know how to to approach them and i think the only way you can do that is with scripture because there's power in scripture one of the big things that they believe in is reincarnation and that is common in most of the sects is reincarnations and um i was hoping uh, pastor max was going to hit on this hey it's left up to us to die but once in this body right <laughs> and uh but they, they believe that body comes back again and again and again and again and again. You know what? They, they try to compare the, the resurrection as reincarnation. No, Jesus came back as the same person, same body. It was a resurrection. It wasn't a reincarnation. He didn't come back as a banana slug. You know? Um, so it's very easy for the liberal churches to try to adapt into this Eastern concept of, of Buddhism and try to bring it into the to the religions because the liberal church has already thrown God out of it. And here, here's what I have to say, and now I'm going to shut up. I have a warning to each and every one out of you out there listening. 
that grab a hold of this Buddhism and say, we are good, which is Buddhism. We can become our own, our own person, our own God and everything else. Here's my warning. You hang on to that. You will burn in hell. No simpler That's way right. to say it. Oh, yeah. You never answered my question, Pastor Rick, before you got in your diet, right? You ready? Rick, say it again. Listen, Ed. Is Ed listening? Yeah. You say there's a prosperity gospel version of Hinduism. Is there a Pentecostal gospel version? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, I, I you know think, I'm getting around, I don't right? know. <laughs> I, nice talking to you, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one, that's the one Ed me going to join, right, Ed? <laughs> yeah, that's what we need, Pentecostal Buddhists. Hey, speaking of, speaking of, uh, fun, uh, Buddhism, and it's in the Chinese restaurants. I need my Chinese food. I know they're a bunch of them are Buddhists, man. <laughs> Don't mess with my Chinese restaurants, man. Well, I knew a guy. I met a guy at a church service once. I'll try to make this quick. But I met a guy, and I kind of enjoyed the guy's company. And I said, let's get together sometime. And we went to get together. God was really dealing with me the next Tuesday. And... He kept telling me, get together with this guy, have dinner that evening. And I kept knocking it off, kept forgetting about it. And driving home, God spoke to me again, not audibly, and reminded me, call this guy. So I called him up, and he starts telling me about the problems he's having in his house that might not be a good idea because of blah, 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 demonic possession. And I said, what the heck? So I called my wife, said, order pizza. We took it over to meet the guy, and his wife is sitting at a table, and she has this dark look on her face, and it looks like something out of a horror movie. And all the lights are off in their home. He takes me for a tour, shows me the Buddha that they brought into their house as a statue because she liked it and wanted it. And had, they had nothing but weird problems. And Rick, you and I talked about this before, about weird demonic oppression things. Mm -hmm. This poor woman was demonically oppressed, and her husband pointed back to this statue. And I will say God led me to lead her to church the next night, her and her husband, where we cast a demon out of her and it was gone. But it, they linked it to that statue. You know, I would like to ask a favor of you guys because I know you guys are coming up close. And I, I see we lost, uh, my wife just texted me and Comcast came over to fix a problem and without letting her know they were there, cut off her internet. Um, so she's not broadcasting from home right now. Uh, but I would ask uh, you guys if it was okay. We only have a few minutes left, but I would like Pastor Max to give a prayer for our nation because we are grabbing a hold of this humanism called Buddhism and whether or not they believe it, the humanism a lot of these views are grabbing a hold of is of the false religion Buddhism. Um, and pray for our nation. Before you do that, before you do that, may I point out one more thing? It's your show, brother. Well... <laughs> There's a, there's a common thread that runs between Marxism, humanism, Buddhism, and most other religions besides Christianity, and that is that of man fixing himself, the perfection of man by his own efforts. Right. And so along those lines, Pastor Max? Well, I would have liked to discuss uh, the reason why people are doing this. We touched on a little bit of it, uh, but it's the, I blame the church for the success of Buddhism uh, because the Christian church got into uh, priestcraft and uh, religiosity, you know, and, and uh, all of this 
kind of thing you find in the big first churches. Uh, no wonder the, the people aren't getting what they need and going into other religions. It's because the church failed and they're not getting enough Bible. It's When they do get anything, it's preaching. And uh, some of them don't do very much even of that. So naturally, that's what's going to happen. The other thing is the the deadening effect of German theology, the the higher biblical criticism and all of this. Uh, that didn't do us any good. And then, of course, the doctrine of evolution. But uh, all of this made people look elsewhere. And Christianity, uh, which is so rich, so wonderful, so full of truth, the Bible. Well, Pastor Max, that's excellent. And if you keep going, you won't have time to pray. Well, <laughs> pray then real quick. Father God, we pray that your spirit will come down and that you would help all your workers in Christ and, uh, that we might be able to have success in your name. Amen. Well, with that, Amen. folks, join us next week, and uh, we'll talk to you later. God bless. See you next week, folks. been listening to a moment of clarity on wham talk 1600 with your hosts galene Dietering, phil stargell and ed bondarenka be sure to tune in again next week right here on wham radio 